Hello, everyone. I'm Al Daldegan, creator and producer of the Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast, supported by Rainforest Alberta. This podcast showcases the people who are working to improve Alberta's innovation ecosystem. Hey, loyal listeners. I'll be hosting this episode myself. I've been involved in software development for more than 25 years. I've started companies, led companies, and worked for companies, doing many different things. I'm honored to be considered a leader in Alberta's innovation ecosystem, and I give back as much and as often as I can. When I'm not working or podcasting, you'll find me pursuing my passions of photography, crypto investing, and woodworking, along with the occasional round of golf. Sorry for the few little audio blips in this one, but join me for an informative chat with Ryan Hunetka. Here we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Leaders, Innovators and Big Ideas podcast for Rainforest Alberta. Today, my special guest is Ryan Hunetka. Hi, Ryan. How are you today? I'm doing great, Al. Thank you very much for having me on the podcast. I appreciate it. It's my pleasure, to be honest. You and I met recently, and actually, we should tell this story. So we actually met recently in the virtual world <laughs> and yep. we we actually both have vr headsets and we met in the in the actual vr world and then we got to know each other and met in person in platform calgary and seems to be a, a natural friendship ensued <laughs> yeah, absolutely you know it's i feel it's just like going back to and i'm speaking for myself of course maybe i'm words in your mouth but it's going back to when we were 10 or 12 and and we could play video games and all of a sudden you could play something online and then you met a new friend in the city through icq or something like that and you know instantly you're connected and this this metaverse and the vr and the tech rooms that we pop into and just have tech chats about has you know brought us together and as you said you know instant friendship connection that started externally and has transpired into the real world. Yeah. Yeah. That, and it's so interesting because, uh, you know, as adults, it still has that sort of feeling of playing games, but you're actually trying to accomplish something. Like I know and we're working with, uh, or we've been hanging out with Brent Zuber and he's, you know, he's really into this VR thing. And we're trying to see like, what, what is it like to actually have like coffee meetings or whatever in the metaverse? And so far, it's been quite a, quite a, an excellent experience on my side of things. Yeah, I agree. I would say I give it a 99% on experience so far. And that 1% is I can't sip hot coffee through a straw because it's really hard to like actually sip the coffee while we've got the Quest headsets on. Yes, 100%. <laughs> It'll be nice when they, uh, when they make them smaller and lighter and more more. Yeah capable but i'm really yeah. impressed with with the way they've come it's so realistic it's not choppy and the the graphics are not chunky and blocky it's actually really quite an amazing experience yeah absolutely i agree with you they when oculus was was first out and facebook was just i, I believe acquiring them back in i want to say 2014 2014 or 2015 a friend of mine, Andrew Priest, he's a production manager at Facebook or now at Meta. And he came up to Calgary with one of the headsets. And I actually got to sit. I, I was renting some co-working space at the Commons at that time it was called. I think Work Nicer's taken over the location now. 
but I was, was renting the space at the Commons and Andrew came in and we all got to play on this headset and sit down and ride roller coasters. And it was amazing. But what it was then and what it is now, it's light years ahead of it. And it's fantastic to, to have seen and been a little bit of a part of that journey as well as a user. Yeah, that's that's it's, things change, especially in the technology world so fast. We should we should uh, talk a little bit about who's Ryan. Could you give us a little bit of background on you as we'll we'll learn very quickly here. You're an entrepreneur and you have a, a company called SAS headquarters. But let's let's talk about how you got there, because you're you're a pretty well traveled and, and have a really interesting background. Can you take us through that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, wow. So who is Ryan? That's a big question. <laughs> Yeah, I was all prepared to like, okay, this is SAS headquarters. Now you you flipped the script on me. Who is Ryan? <laughs> but but I love it. I love it. So uh, so I'm you know I'm living in Calgary, an area here. I'm actually up in Airdrie right now, and I came to Calgary about ten years ago. And before that, I was born and raised in Regina. And right out of high school, I hurt my back. Had to, you know, I was doing heavy lifting jobs and everything, hurt my back, needed a back surgery. And then I managed to get into a web development company way back in 1996. And wow. I, I learned how to program HTML on in Notepad. I learned how to, you know, create animated in, images and create little websites and absolutely loved it. Like just, I just wanted a keyboard in my hands any hour I was awake to build cool stuff because you know, back in 96 and 97, websites were, were a whole new thing that were coming out. Yes. So, yeah. So I loved it. The company I was working for, unfortunately, they didn't make it. And I just did freelance. I actually, the clients that we had came to me to manage their websites. I got some more clients, but I was working really hard. And, you know, the life of an entrepreneur, you know, six, seven days a week, 16 yeah. hours a day and just barely getting by. So, I actually went and started working for Regina Police. I started as 911 dispatcher and communications officer. And with five days on, five days off, I could still stay involved in tech. And then I actually moved to the street and was a police officer. And I was with Regina Police for 12 years. Oh, and geez. yeah, everybody asked me, how does a cop become a like a tech business owner or a web developer? I'm like, actually, I was a web developer that needed a side hustle, <laughs> you know, supplement my income. So policing was my side hustle, you know, loved, loved my time there, you know, uh, you know, was able to help a lot of people and, and, you know, go through a lot of challenges that truly helped me grow as a person. But in 2012, with the assistance of a retired, uh, one of our retired SWAT staff sergeants and uh, a radio, how do you say, a radio personality in Regina, we're all having coffee, talking about something that was always happening and trying to figure out how tech could solve this. So I created an app, a whole SaaS platform, and I got a little bit of investment into it, some seed money. And all of a sudden, Moose Jaw Police Service was using it. The Capel Valley Emergency Operations Region was using it. And then City Regina wanted to start using it. And my chief advised me, I'm starting to get into a conflict of interest. Hmm. So, you know, I'm working five days on my tech stuff on the side, working five days as a cop, various roles within policing, and I had to make a decision. So my investor kind of jumped up and gave me a, a full series of funding. I resigned from policing in September 2013 
we moved the whole company out here to, to Calgary in early 2014. And then I've just grown various ideas and branches and, and some of my own companies off of that since then. So that was kind of a long roundabout story into the travel, but how I got into that travel and, and working with people all over the world was because of those connections in policing. You know, it was, I was able to, myself and my team were able to build some, some pretty cool applications that would help 911 setters, would help communications officers, could help the software in the in the cars and the cruisers on the streets and so on. So because of my back experience, my past experience in policing and my tech experience, it really allowed me to open a lot of doors and go to a lot of places around the world that we could help implement safety and security solutions. So oh, cool. yeah, yeah, it was absolutely cool. The first big trip I took was I got to work on a project in Tunisia, North Africa. And it was a life-changing experience. I, I don't know how else to describe it. You know, I, I knew I was going over to, you know, Africa. North Africa is much different than Central and South Africa. But I knew I was going over there. We were going to be in the desert. You know, we're going to be like right along the borders of Libya. We were, some of the work we were doing involved some satellite stuff. And it was, it was an amazing experience. But it also really showed me because I hadn't been that well traveled before, gone down to the US, gone down to Caribbean, stuff like that. But other than that, I, had, I wasn't really that well traveled. So this was a big trip for me. And as I learned a lot about how people live in other places and, you know, a lot of people I worked with from around the world on this project, we were there, we were there for about, I'd say, six weeks. And there was about 35 of us in total. There's only about 10 of us that were there all six weeks. The other ones would kind of fly in and out depending on their roles within the work. And those connections I made, the people I met, the locals I got to know. When I came back, I was just like, I just want to travel. I was like, the travel bug had sunk in. I'm like, even when I was over there, all my clients back here that we would deal with or my team members that were dealing with the clients, you know, I had evening or early morning meetings with them. Everything went just fine. I'm like, I don't need to be right here. And this was back in 2015. And I was just like, fantastic. Love it. So I'd say in 20 from 2015 for about two years, I traveled around to a lot of places. I was in Bali, Indonesia. I was in well, Koh Lanta, Thailand, worked with the team there for a while. Back over to the Europe side, we worked on a pro project and spent some time in Bansko, Bulgaria, just got one of the best co-working and co-living setups that I've ever seen. And I've stayed at about 30 of them around the world now. It was just absolutely great experiences. But out of all of those, I really fell in love with Bali, which I'm sure no one's like, it's Bali, right? People around <laughs> the world save up, you know, to go there and spend two weeks. And I was able to keep going there because we had some work in Kuala Lumpur and Singapore. So I was just like, what is it going to take to live in Bali and just keep flying up to KL and Singapore every, you know, once a month for a few days or something. And so I pulled the trigger and I did that, you know, still kept everything going and growing around here. We, you know, one of the other companies I have is app guys. So, you know, that brand was, was growing at that time. We're doing a lot of focus on mobile apps. And then when I was over there, the people I met at the co-working spaces and the ones that I had met before, there are a lot of the people that I actually work with. So our team is spread around the world, but one of the differences with us 
is I didn't find these people on Upwork or post on LinkedIn. I need a React developer and somebody from Nepal or Philippines or India reaches out to me or something like that. I would say the large majority of who we have on our team that has been on our team for multiple years are all people that I've sat down and had a meal with somewhere at some time in some place. And it's, it's fantastic because it's, I know family is a big word, uh, but as much as they're not technically employees, they're contractors on projects here and there, like they, we all treat each other like family. We're there for each other all the time, whenever something's needed. And it's, it's fantastic. And when I was in Kuala Lumpur, we would often vote every three months, bring a few different members from one of our larger teams that is based out of India bring them down to Kuala Lumpur, set them up in some apartments for a week, work together for a few days, tour around, have some fun for a few days, and then, you know, repeat that every every quarter with different people from the team. And that truly helped us grow both internally and provide a better service externally. Because once you've had that that conversation and that meal together, I just really feel that, you know, I, I felt like a good leader and I really feel it's been an innovative way to build a fully remote, remote first company. Yeah. Well, I just find that so fascinating because, you know, there's other companies out there where they have sort of like a pool of uh, software developers or whatever in, in some other part of the world. And they, yeah. they travel around looking for work and then they farm it out to that group back in that in their in the other country and you're you're literally just working with a whole bunch of friends remotely and they're in various parts of the world it's just it's a very different feeling to it all and and i find that quite cool yeah yeah and you know the the community the like the true digital nomad community that is working together they're they're following larger groups you know, one of those is the running remote conference. Every year there is a conference, you know, of course, during pandemic time, it was, it was online, but in 2019, um, yeah, sorry. Yeah, it was 2019. So in 2019 running remote was actually hosted in Bali. So there was like five, 5,000 digital nomads that came in from around the world that aren't the ones that typically hang out in the Bali area. And the fellow, there's two fellows that, that started this up, uh, Rob and Liam. Rob is from Australia. Liam is actually a Canadian. He's from Montreal, Canada. And they're the co-founders of a platform called Time Doctor, amazing SaaS platform. But they bring all these people together, you know, going to this conference, all the tools that we all use, all the tools, some of the tools that you may use in your day, you know, Todoist and, and various things, you know, as I try and think of the list of all the major companies that were there, of course, I'm blanking on it, but uh, <laughs> like just, just absolutely amazing companies and amazing people that come together and then keep growing and growing those relationships. And it's the world's largest remote work conference that happens all the time. It's happening in April in Lisbon this year. And it's just fantastic to, to be a part of that stuff and how it can help our companies and then how we can help our clients because of that. Nice. What, uh, what would you say are some of the, I guess, the downsides to remote working? Have you experienced anything kind of like where you're like, it's, it's actually really great except for X. Yeah. Good question. Um, 
downsides can be the challenge of being in countries that may not be as, of course as advanced as us mm. you know the cost of living and and everything there can be you know very affordable but it also means that if it's super windy and there's a rainstorm at the same time the power might go out you might lose internet signal you don't typically lose cell single but what if you do you know so i always had a, a go local piece with me that would connect to satellites and you know be able to keep me online if there's an emergency on one of our safety and security applications or something but for the most part you know everything was okay and so other than connectivity issues sometimes i would say the other biggest challenge is you usually try and travel to places that are beautiful full of fun things to do uh-huh. like touring the jungles and going to the monkey forests and hanging out at the beach and going snorkeling over top of shipwrecks well a lot of the people that you meet that come in for like two weeks or three weeks they want to do a lot of that and do a little bit of work and then they're going to do their work when they go back home so as you meet these people and they come in you know as you know when we're more of a not quite an expat but we're kind of in the middle you have to remember to focus on work right you know depending on what time those are and you know if all of a sudden everyone's going out for dinner and drinks tonight and it's like well that's great but you know it's six o'clock here it you know it's you know four o'clock in the afternoon in calgary or, or you know not not the right math there but, <laughs> but you get the idea yeah, sometimes yeah. you got to go to work for the evening when everyone's going out for fun after they've been working all days depending if you're you know you're an asynchronous company or how you deal with your clients and so on so so yeah so the i'd say the biggest challenge is just making sure that you remember that you're working you know, I call it a workation. Workation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's 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 like a vacation, but there's always some work involved and work has to come first. Because if you don't do that pretty soon, of course, you lose out on some of the work and then you can't afford to keep this fantastic workation life going. No kidding. That's great. We kind of briefly talked a little bit about SAS headquarters. Could you maybe walk mm. us around or up to how did that come about and and What's your sort of specialty? What's your claim to fame in that in that organization? Sure. Yeah. Um, how did SAS headquarters come about? Well, we had the App Guys brand for about four or five years, and we, you know, doing a lot of fantastic mobile apps for people, and we also did websites and some some digital marketing and stuff like that. And we often, as much as we felt we were communicating to our clients that it's like, hey, we're doing your app, we can do your website as well, and this and that. We started having clients go like, great, our app's almost ready, we just launched this great marketing website. And it's like, yeah, it's beautiful, but why why wasn't our web team chosen for that? Like, oh, we didn't know you did that. We thought you were just the app guys. So uh-huh. uh, a rename, a rebrand kind of had to come around. And when I moved over to Indonesia, I kind of let the, the app guys brand not fizzle out, but just, we managed our existing client base, you know, Mm -hmm. I'd say it like that. Then when we got to uh, Indonesia, as I knew I was staying there a bit longer and on a business visa, we started doing all the paperwork to do a proper expat owned business. So I was in the process of setting up a company called Island Apps and you know, helping people on, on the Island of Bali and various areas with apps and so on was a, large passion of mine, but we wanted to do it in a legal way. Because with our business visa, we were only allowed to stay in the country to talk business, but not do business locally. So all the business was always in KL and Singapore. Mm. Then pandemic came, Indonesia decided to cancel the visas, which 
understand and, and respect the, the everyone made the best decisions that they could at the time. And I came back to Canada and then was like, okay, what am I going to do now? So we, you know, my, myself and my team, we sat down, we talked like, what are we doing? What are we working on? Majority of what we work on are SaaS platforms. Like we are building software as a service. We're building the website. We're building the app. We're building everything together as that SaaS platform. But we're also doing a lot more. We're providing a lot of pre-project strategy. You know, we've got people that have SaaS platforms that are coming to us and asking us just to service, maintain, and then update and take over their platforms. So I was like, again, okay, what are we doing? What all are we doing? What can we call this? How do we name this? And then I spent about a year working with Dan Martell. Not sure if you're familiar with him. I describe him as Tony Robbins is to people for motivational speaking. Dan Martell is to SaaS founders for helping them grow their companies exponentially, you know, if they're really willing to work hard. Dan Martell's a, another Canadian, you know, love his, the stuff he's done, the process. He, he built up a bunch of companies that got acquired and then really turned to the coaching. And he recently just moved out to the Kelowna area, helping the tech community out there in, in amazing ways. But after a year of working with him, both helping him with some of his clients and, you know, acting as, as a scale specialist, talking to SaaS founders from around the world and, and how to, you know, truly help scale their companies up. And then having, being a part of his coaching group, having him coach us and really have us dive deep into what we love to do. And I really came down to three words, strategy, software, service. So we start with every project is three phases. It's always got to be strategized at the start. We've got to build it, whatever it's going to be. Maybe it's all pre-existing software and we're building APIs in the middle. And then once it's done, we got to service it. So I'm like, well, SaaS fits. Those four letters fit everything we want to do. So we run you through strategy as a service. Then we run you through software as a solution. And then we jump to service as a service. So by doing that, we renamed, rebranded as SaaS headquarters. We can do anything and everything about this. And in addition to just purely SaaS, we, we offer a comprehensive range of digital solutions. You know, of course, they include the consultation services for SaaS platforms, mobile apps, website development. We do some enterprise middle, middleware integration services and support with Workato and MuleSoft and Tibco for some enterprise stuff. And then as well, we offer digital marketing marketing services to help you effectively promote your business online. Because when it comes down to our passions, we really love to join you on the adventure right from the start of an idea to a successful reality. Nice. Well, that's really a neat, I guess the, uh, the marketing side stands out to me because <laughs> there's companies out there that will build software and stuff like that, but they uh, then you need a marketing company to help you with the, the social media marketing and stuff like that. So it's nice that you yeah. provide a end-to-end solution. That's pretty cool. Yeah, we really needed to jump into that. I I literally spent, yeah, just like you say, lots of companies help you build it and then you go work with someone else. And I sat there for a few years. And even if I look at last year, we we build out over a million dollars for three different app projects that I can think about. Built these people fantastic apps. They all didn't last more than 90 days. And then they shut them down. Oh, wow. And so we've got, you know, 
nothing positive in our portfolio for that. And, you know, the, of course, the first response or the, you know, the emotion comes into it and like, oh, well, no one wanted to use the app because you didn't build a good app. And it's like, well, it was a great app, but you went out and spent $200, you know, you, you spent $300,000 building this platform and then you spent $250 a month on Facebook ads to try and get people to use it. Of course, you're not going to have a success. And it always made me think about, I felt it's not my responsibility to make sure you're going to be good at marketing your, your product. You want me to build your product? We'll build your product. You know, I felt like I was the car salesman on the lot. Someone walked into the lot, said, here's a briefcase, brief, briefcase of $40,000. I want that car. I sell them the car, hand them the keys. They smash it into the wall across the street. And then they come back, tell me they didn't actually have a driver's license. And it's my fault for selling them the car. It's like, <laughs> you know, so of course, like that was my, that was my mentality. And I switched that up, you know, after a lot of reflection, some of the first, like I've talked myself out of more projects in the last year than we've entered into because I ask those questions now. What are the plans for marketing? What What is the growth plan? Like if it's not if you build it, they will come in this world anymore. There's thousands and thousands of choices for different things. Unless there is some fancy new sort of rocket science you've come up with or something like that, what you're doing is using everything everyone can use in just a little bit different way. So, so what are you going to do when this launches? How are you going to support your customers? How are you going to get those customers? And when we start asking those questions, they often start going, wow, that's a lot of things I didn't think of. I got to go back to the drawing board. Right. All right, great. You know, so that is purely our strategy as a service you know, start to the phase, like we can go back to that drawing board with you, we can help you. We can show you how not only to properly try and build that prototype, prove that people are going to want to use it, then develop it, you know, and then use some growth, growth strategies on it. But just jumping right in and building it, most likely not going to be the best consumer product. Of course, a different situation for businesses who have an internal problem, and they're solving it. And then they just need it for their 5,000 employees. And the minute we're done building it, they make their employees use it. That's an easy growth <laughs> strategy. True that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's interesting. So what, I guess, besides VR or maybe something within VR, what lights you up these days? Oh, oh good question. God, you got some good questions. I love it. <laughs> The thing that lights me up about VR is as a remote first company, you know, we're all working from home or, you know, one little office in Calgary and, you know, that we, you know, might pop into now and then any of that stuff. But when I'm working at home and I pop into Horizon Workrooms or Arthur Digital and I'm in this, this room, like the same rooms I've used with you and with Brent, when I'm in that room, I feel like I've left my house. Mm -hmm. I'm outside, I'm interacting with other people. You know, it's course, I know it's fake. Not fake is the wrong word, because we are having an, like a real authentic conversation. Yeah, but I'm not actually there. And it's, it's like it, it's virtual. Yeah. But when that headset's on, I feel like I'm there. And after I'm done, you know, at the end of the day, I think I reflected on this about a week or so. And I shared it with you and Brent, it was like, at the end of the day, after being home, alone like i live by myself here all day sometimes but at the end of the day i felt i'd actually been out and interacted with people and it was purely through the quest headset so i love that 
the idea of when the price point beca- becomes more accessible for a lot more people, I love the idea that people that aren't able to leave the house as easy as any of us are, anything like that, might be able to experience that feeling of, of what I felt of, I actually left the house today. I went somewhere. I interacted with people. You know, I think the last room you and I were in, in Arthur Digital, you know, being up on the top floor of the building and at the glass railing, and we're looking out into like a desert and mountains. And I like, it's just so peaceful and calming. Yet I'm yeah. sitting in my living room surrounded by, you know, a few moving boxes I still haven't unpacked. <laughs> you know, so. so true. Um, yeah. And, and a lot of people who haven't had that experience yet, they don't realize how realistic it is. There's, there's spatial audio. So if there's somebody standing to your right, you can actually hear them to the right of you. And as you turn your head, now they sound like they're in front of you. And then in that, like in Arthur digital, for example, as we get farther and farther away from each other, our, our voices are, are quieter and quieter. And when, you know, when I was down in the main kind of area and you, you guys were up on that balcony, you could, almost not hear me because I was just really, really quiet. And then when you came down and then we could talk together, like it's, it's a, it's a very realistic experience and there's different rooms and different locations and there's things you can interact with like building blocks and, and whiteboards and all kinds of stuff. It's, it's quite an experience. And, uh, and I really look forward to some of the future developments in this area. Yeah. Especially with someone like you who works with people all over the world, it's, it's a little bit expensive to fly everybody to one location to have a meeting. Yeah, you know, it's 100%. It absolutely is. Uh, but as, a, as our company grows, that's always my plan. You know, mm-hmm. like I, I would love it that, you know, at least every two or four years or something like that, everybody on my team gets together. You know, for two weeks, we kind of shut down skeleton crew. It's support services only and, and so on. But we all get together in one place and... I'm trying that out a little bit here coming up the end of June with some of the, my core management team, my creative director, my VP of operations, and then a couple of people in the Philippines that are absolute amazing developers and customer support staff for us. There is a conference in Bansko, Bulgaria that I was talking about earlier, earlier, but the annual digital nomad conference, not the running remote conference that'll be in Lisbon, Portugal this year, but the digital nomad digital nomad conference that happens in Bansko that is happening for a full week at the end of June. And I'm trying to take some of our leadership team all there together to be in in the one spot for a while. And I can't wait to see what happens with that. That's cool. Yeah. That sounds really, really good. Yeah. And so outside of VR, what other, what others like, cause you, when I met you, it was like, this is my brother. We're both nerds. We like technology. <laughs> we like software. What other yeah. stuff gets you excited? Startups. Yeah. I love startups. Sorry, let me rephrase that. Startups with money. <laughs> so, you know, no, I, you know, I love startups. Like even if they don't have money, I love sitting down over, you know, a couple drinks or lunch or talking at a networking event or a pitch event and just learning and and hearing the passion that is coming from these entrepreneurs that have thought up things that are amazing many levels and maybe if they're not amazing to me they're amazing to someone else but they're definitely things like the Calgary tech ecosystem and what how what it's growing and how it's growing and 
the various organizations involved in it, such as Platform, where you and I met in real life there the first time. Like, it's just amazing to see all that stuff. And if we can be, if we can figure out better ways to help startups that don't require the large enterprise budgets, to, you know, build these massive SaaS platforms to really try and get your your product to grow. That's what we're always trying to do. And, you know, we love being a part of that journey and that adventure. Like, like I say, love to join you on the adventure right from idea to a successful reality. We used to just say reality, idea to reality, but then it was like, well, no, we want success. So we got to add that in there. Idea nice. to successful reality. Nice. That's very cool. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for your time today. It was just a pleasure talking to you as always. And, uh, you know, what's the best way if someone wants to get a hold of you, what's the best way for them to reach out? Yeah, great. Well, first of all, thank you for the time on on your podcast. And I'm really honored to have been invited to be on it. So thank you very much, Al. I appreciate that. Very welcome. Thanks. The best way to get a hold of us and, and for me is like visit our website. And the website is sashq.com. And my personal email address is ryan at sashq.com. Happy to chat to anyone about anything that they're wanting to build, have built, need help with, or if they just want to talk about the challenges they've had as an entrepreneur in, in our, uh, you know, Alberta tech eco space and want to see if, you know, maybe I've had some of those same challenges and I can share some stories about what worked and didn't work for me. Love to have those conversations. That's cool. Thank you, Ryan. All right. So everybody tune in next week for another episode of the Leaders, Innovators and Big Ideas podcast for Rainforest Alberta. Cheers. If you haven't already, visit rainforestab.ca and sign the Rainforest Social Contract. Become part of the inclusive, silo-busting, sector-agnostic, all-industry, open-sourced, ego-shrinking, ecosystem-building, entrepreneur-focused, wide-open, social barrier-smashing community known as Rainforest Alberta. This episode was brought to you by New Idea Machine. We build great custom software while bridging the gap between education and experience. New Idea Machine makes your ideas real. Visit newideamachine.com for more info. Music for the show was created by Tony Deldegan. Please be sure to share this episode with everyone you know. Also, don't forget to come by and say hi at the next Rainforest event. Let us know what you think of this podcast. If you're interested in being either a host, sponsor, or a guest of the show, send me an email at rainforestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.